Hello, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects. It's always a pleasure trying to deliver inspirational content to you, hoping that you will take that next step towards the lifestyle of your dreams. In today's episode, I chatted with Mariah Moyle, a really cool lady who has been designing her life for many years now in the way that she's always wanted, and she finds herself living in the Bahamas in the beautiful Bahamas, uh, and just piecing it together like a lot of us expats do. She actually sailed there and has been there ever since. And it's really cool because she really gives us a very clear, detailed story and step-by-step process in which she took to get to where she wants to be in life. And I just found myself really inspired and thankful for her telling her story. And if you like Misfits and Rejects, you can support Misfits and Rejects on Patreon, Patreon is a platform for content creators like myself to get supported by the people who like the content they they create. So if you feel like supporting Misfits and Rejects, you can do it on patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects. And it's a monthly donation and any amount is always appreciated. If you can't donate, no worries. Any type of sharing of Misfits and Rejects is tremendously helpful. So I just want to let you know that I appreciate any type of support that you can give and and I hope you really enjoy this episode with Mariah Moyle. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. Right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Mariah Moyle. She's calling, or we're chatting while she's in the Bahamas. I'm in California. And it's really cool because she reached out to me. Um, She's a fan of Misfits and Rejects and likes the message. And when I got to learn more about her message that she's sending... It was an instant fit. Really happy to have her on the show. She has a blog called Island Mariah. She also has another company um, called Out Island Life. And I'm really excited just to get to hear her whole story. So Mariah, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chapin. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, this is really cool because I you know, did a little bit of research on your blog and just some of the stories that you have on there about your personal life, I think really connect with a lot of people out there. And so, you know, maybe you can just take us through the long, short version, whatever you want about kind of like how you got to be an expat living in the Bahamas, because I know there was a lot of um, ups and downs in life that kind of sent you in that direction. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, can be a long story. So um, if you if you feel like listening to the whole thing, I can uh, backtrack to when I'm uh, I guess it kind of started my high school years. Please, yeah, let's let's go. I mean, I think there's young listeners out there who are in college who I think could benefit from this. So, please, by all uh, means. All right. Um, yeah. So, I guess I don't know. I've gotten to the point in life, and I'm sure we all kind of look back at things um, in hindsight, and you know, all the things that happened and didn't happen to get you where you are right now. And uh, I've actually been reflecting on that quite a bit lately. Um, but I, it kind of started, you know, when I was looking at my university. And so I was 
you know, living, living kind of that easy childhood where I didn't have to make too many decisions and, you know, think too much about anything. Mom and dad were kind of, um, had the helm and, um, and I went to apply for university and I ended up, um, not getting accepted to the university of my choice, which was kind of this like hippie school on the coast of the Pacific Northwest. What was it? What school was it? Uh, Western Washington University. Okay. Where, and where, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up north of Seattle, about an hour north of Seattle, and then our um, our family beach house was in kind of the San Juan Island region, um, and then I spent winters in the mountains skiing and ski racing, and uh, so the school was up in Bellingham, kind of right by the Canadian border, um, and uh, very outdoorsy, and it just kind of seemed like it would have fit. Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up getting accepted to this other university, to Washington State University, which is um, over in the wheat fields, kind of by Idaho. And uh, that wasn't quite me. It was, you know, country music and um, and just a lot of flat, no trees, no mountains. Um, so I kind of felt like a fish out of water. And uh, so I ended up there, but that's where I met my roommate. And uh, we lived together for a few years in college. And um, after I graduated from college, I... Uh, my uncle had given me some money um, to go travel, and he was a big traveler. The rest of my family wasn't so much. I had only been to Puerto Vallarta once, um, but you know, traveling up and down the West Coast, camping trips and whatnot, um, but not world traveler. And uh, so my uncle wanted me to travel, so he gave me some money, and I convinced my roommate um, to uh, to go with me. So we went on a backpacking trip for about four weeks, um, all over Europe. And that kind of opened my eyes to the world. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I grew up in Seattle, which is an awesome place. Um, I really had no concept that there was sun, uh, in other areas of the world. You know, I, I hopped on the plane and we flew up above the cloud cover and I kind of looked around and I'm like, wow, there's sun up here. You know, that was a huge perspective change for me. Was, I mean, did you ever battle with depression growing up in that kind of like cloudy environment? Cause I know that would just drive me crazy. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know any different. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I was always outside. I was about playing in the rain and, um, every time it rained, I would go outside and my parents are, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you, <laughs> why don't you go outside when it's nice out? And, uh, yeah, so I just didn't really know any different. Um, and then, uh, I ended up moving down to Tahoe with my with the same girl and um, <clears throat> and there's 300 days of sun there. So I actually had a hard time with the amount of sun um, in Tahoe. It was it was like too much. I'm like, can it just be a cloudy day, please? <laughs> Interesting. Let's I want to talk about that just a little bit more because. I had a similar th- thing happen to me, like growing up in Southern California, which is sunny all the time, but right. not sunny enough for me, like to where I, when I finally did get to, um, Costa Rica and spend a significant amount of time there and really just expose myself to sun all the time, 365 days a year, like is something that really struck me as like, this is what I need in my life at all times. Like one cloudy day is, is too much. <laughs> and that's just me. And, and realizing that, that was something that was very important to take myself out of that kind of environment and get myself into a more of an environment that was more conducive to me feeling good was a huge breakthrough in my own self-development. 
Right. And it sounds like you came across something similar, but you, you also really like the clouds. <laughs> well, so that's, you know, now I know I'm living, I'm living in this um, coastal environment. So I know that, that I like the dynamic of weather, you know, I like having, you know, we have plenty, it's cloudy right now here in the Bahamas. So I love having, having cloudy days, having, you know, big rainstorms and lightning storms. Um, and then I, and then I love the sunny days. So for me, it's a balance, you know, it's, I can't have too much sun and I can't have too much rain now, you know, I'm, got it. and I've gotten past the whole, the whole cloudy everyday thing. So, all right. So um, now you're in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. So I moved to Tahoe. So I was, I was ready to just before the Europe trip, I was ready to just go to my local ski mountain, um, uh, you know, get a job. I actually wanted to be a ski patroller and, uh, and stay around home. And so I think about that now and I'm like, if I hadn't have taken this trip to Europe and then had the opportunity to go to Tahoe, I may still be in Washington and, you know, met and married some mountain man and, and stayed there and had a few kids and, um, and just kind of lived this, you know, kind of comfortable white picket fence life around my family, which would have been great too, you know? Um, but I ended up in Tahoe and, um, did the ski bum thing, um, taught ski school and ended up meeting my, uh, partner of eight years. And he then drug me to Buffalo, New York, <laughs> Like a so, job opportunity or like, he's like, this is going to be an awesome place for us to come move is Buffalo. <laughs> he was from Buffalo and okay. we had been dating for not that long, really like a few months. I, I can't remember at this point, but his family had a business there, um, boiler business. And, uh, it was very successful and his dad wanted him, the only child to come and take over. So I went with him. He was like, Hey, you want to come on an adventure? And I'm like, sure. I'm always up for an adventure. So I moved with him to Buffalo, not knowing, having any idea what Buffalo was like, you know, back then we didn't have like Google street maps so I could look and see exactly what the neighborhood was like that we were going to be moving to. Um, and I showed up there kind of thinking, you know, I grew up on the West coast, which is pretty awesome. And I kind of showed up in Buffalo and I'm like, huh. And everyone was like, why would you move from California to Buffalo? <laughs> and, uh, anyways, so I made the, made the most of it. Um, got an office job, which I absolutely hated. And I think that was the only time I really worked in an office and, uh, started dreaming of tropical locations. I have no idea why, cause I'd barely traveled anywhere tropical in my life you know, staring at the screensavers on my desktop, you know, on those cold Buffalo days. Oof, and that sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. The lake effect thing. It's, uh, it's for real. <laughs> what is that? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's, uh, so because it's right on Lake Erie. So Toronto's on the other side of Lake Erie and Toronto doesn't have nearly as harsh of winters as Buffalo does. And there it's actually further North. Um, but Buffalo, because the winds come down from the North and then the lake freezes, um, all the weather comes and just slams into Buffalo and covers it in snow. Like you can't even drive around, um, there people get locked in their car, you know, stuck in their cars on the freeway because a, a big storm will come in and, um, and it's just cold and miserable and, and there's no mountains. So there's no skiing or anything. Um, so anyways, it How was long were you uh, there for, I was there for two years, but the first, so the first year I worked at this office job, and, um, or a year and a half maybe. And then I got so sick of answering phones and just so sick of this job 
I I quit one day, and I uh, without a game have, without a game plan. I mean, you just abruptly yeah, walked up I, and said, "I quit." Yeah, I well, I had just come back from a trip to visit my family in Washington, and I got back, and I was just like, "I can't do this anymore." And so it's still technically kind of on my vacation, but I, I basically kind of signed, you know, gave them my resignation and, uh, no idea what I was going to do. But then my same roommate that I went to, uh, Tahoe with, she started working. She wasn't really into that whole office thing either. And she started working for an airline as a flight attendant. So she called me up and she's like, you have to get a job as a flight attendant. And I'm like, I hate flying. I'm so scared of flying. I hate flying. I could never do this. And she's like, you have to come on. It's great. They're hiring like mad right now. So I, um, I ended up, there was a, there was a interview the next week in Cleveland, a few hours away from Buffalo. So I went to the interview, I got hired and I became a flight attendant. So I went to Salt Lake city, went to this month long intensive training and, uh, and started flying. Did that so, kind of satisfy the travel itch at all? Cause I've, I've had other flight attendants on who say it's not all, all it's cracked up to be. Um, I, I really liked it because I was living in Buffalo. So for me, it was kind of, again, you know, opening my eyes to the world, remembering and realizing that there's other places and people out there than what was directly around my, you know, my, my proximity where, where I was. So, you know, I thought it was great because I'd go on three or four day trips and then come back home and settle in and enjoy Buffalo for what it was. But then I didn't really have to live there full time. Okay. Uh, but I was, I was commuting, I was commuting to Denver. So, uh, that was kind of rough, but, um, so after about a year or yeah, I was, I worked there for about a year. Um, again, I got, uh, I was kind of getting antsy and I was, I was like, all right, well I need the next step. I, you know, it's like, I've kind of, I kind of throughout all this process started listening to my gut and listening to you know, what, what feels right for my next step. And, and at that point in time, we started getting strangely oddly into sailboats, like sailboat cruising. And uh, I have no idea really where that stemmed from. I think we had picked up a copy of Cruising World magazine and thought, you know, wow, look at that boat at that pretty anchorage. And, you know, they have their house with them. And, that, you know, they can just pick up and move and, and, but have their, you know, their bed at night there with their own pillows and clothes and everything that you would, you know, you would possibly need. And we're like, that's pretty cool. So I was still a flight attendant at this point, And I, we started this sailboat fund, which was just basically a flower pot, uh, this big like metal flower pot. And we started throwing change into it. We pasted pictures like, so we cut out from the magazines of these beautiful anchorages and pasted pictures all over the flower pot. And we just start throwing spare change in it. That's awesome. Um, I just want to go pack and talk about the gut check thing real quick before you continue on, because that's, I think, a very significant part of who you, you become or who you always were. Was that something that you like was a, a switch that flipped in you or was it something that you always did? And then it became clear that the the choices that you had made using your gut in the past had always been right. Therefore, you decided to just always go with your gut. Can you talk, talk us through that process hmm. for us? That's for interesting. Cause I never really thought about it in that, in that aspect. Um, I think it kind of developed over time and I just started paying attention to it because, you know, like I said, I didn't, 
from a young age, I didn't really have much in the way of choices or, you know, big life path decisions, you know, but moving to Tahoe was a huge life decision. And, um, and I, and I can't remember what, you know, what was calling to me at that point in time. But once I started moving around and having, you know, more decisions to have to make, um, again, not really like settling down for the traditional white picket fence type um, lifestyle, you know, I just started listening to where uh, mostly it would kind of come across as um, uh, this unsettled feeling or maybe a bit of depression or just this kind of underlying dissatisfaction, I guess. And that's like a feeling in your stomach, in your heart, like in your right arm. Like, <laughs> um, where is it? I carry a lot of emotion in my in my chest, and so okay. I would probably say that. And, and I carry anxiety, so that you know, if I'm really not on the right path, like I'll have anxiety um, a bit. And uh, but yeah, it's just. I mean, I would say it's probably just a full body kind of in my head, in my you know, um, everywhere really. That's that's. Um, kind of calling and pulling, pulling me in a direction. And I just kind of felt like I wasn't at home. Um, so I was, I've, I think over the years, I've just been seeking home, if that makes sense. I, I, I remember some nights, you know, just being like, I want to go home. Like I would, I, I don't know, I'd have a few cocktails. This is interesting, actually, because you know, can imagine people who are growing up in an environment that they don't feel comfortable in like I'm using myself for example growing up in an environment you know Costa Mesa Newport Beach California where I just never felt like right. it was my home but then you're conditioned to think that this is your home and so you you have this constant like unsettled mm -hmm. feeling always nagging at you and then to get out or maybe you don't get out like some people I was lucky enough to get out and really be able to contrast okay yeah that was the feeling was real. Like I needed to get out and I found my home right. in Nicaragua, but for some it's, it's, it's confusing because this is where they were born and this is where they're supposed to love and, and feel most comfortable. But if you don't like, right. what do you do? And you talk about, you know, following your gut and your intuition. And that's something I really like to bring across in, in these episodes, which is how I think people can identify their, when they're in situations that maybe not, might not be best for right. them. Right. Yeah, it's um I think with the whole home thing kind of touching back on that um it's we are conditioned that where you're from you know granted that you didn't move a lot when you were a child uh, I mean I still call Washington home I'm you know when I whenever I'm going on a trip I say oh I'm going home but it doesn't feel like home anymore I mean I haven't lived there basically since high school but it's still, it's just still this, it's home, but it's not home. And so I started feeling this, like, I want to go home. I want to be home, but I don't know where that home is. So that's. So when you, when you guys had that jar that you're filling with change and, and the sailing um, aspect of your life, what you were being drawn towards sailing, was that you think satiating that feeling a bit, just that mental sort of, I don't, this isn't home. I'm seeking home sailing feels kind of like it could be home. So I'm going to, I'm going to work my way yeah, towards that. Absolutely. It did. It was once, once we started with this goal, with this kind of, you know, tangible thought where, where we were really focused on it, 
it, that feeling was like, all right, well, we're working towards this. We're going to do it. Um, you know, back then we were really into reading the secret and manifesting, you know, uh, creating your, your, um, dreams and, and manifesting things into reality. So, so we were like, we're going to secret our sailboat. You know, we had no idea how we were going to afford a sailboat. We're throwing spare change into a, into a flower pot, you know, and at the time we had bought a house. So we're like trying to pay the mortgage and, um, and, but we ended up going on this trip to Thailand through a pilot friend that I had flown with. And he connected me with a friend who had worked in the tech world in San Francisco. He was Malaysian descent and had gone back to um, Southeast Asia, hopped on his sailboat uh, and was cruising around. And he was in Thailand at the time. So we flew in, um, went to Bangkok, traveled around a bit and then ended up meeting him in this uh, place called Al Chalong and cruised around the um, Ottoman Sea and went to like PB Dawn and PB Lay and all these really amazing places by boat. So we were seeing it in kind of this whole different way than the tourists would be seeing it. And, you know, we were de- like haggling with locals about fish and, you know, purchasing fish off them and, and things like that. And I, we were we were hooked. We were just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, OK, so this is just solidified like this little sailboat fund that we that we were doing. Uh, we did this 10 day kind of cruise and got back and we're like, all right, things need to change. So we packed up and moved to Lake Tahoe. And um, <laughs> I don't. But you just said that you had just bought. Yes, yeah, so we sold the house um, easily. Uh, Buffalo was actually booming at that point in time. And so we put it on the market and it sold like instantly. And uh, and so we packed up and moved to Tahoe. And we I guess we picked going back to Tahoe because it was comfortable and safe and we knew the place. But we just knew we had to get out of Buffalo. Um, we'd kind of cut the ties with the family business and we're like, we got to go. And so we ended up in Tahoe. We did buy a little sailboat there. We bought a Lido, which is kind of like a sunfish. And um kind of practice both of us had nothing like no clue about how to sail um i may add (laughs) that's cool that's this is really cool addition to the story so you guys leave buffalo you had purchased a house you sold it now you're in lake tahoe just kind of like at in an interim kind of holding pattern while you continue to save for this big boat trip yeah yeah so we just got jobs back in the service industry which was great that was kind of my you know easy happy place easy money you know waiting tables and stuff and um, and then we ended up because we had all this money from the sale of the house, we had actually made a good um, like a, a profit on it. So we were like, oh, well, let's buy a house here in Tahoe. It'd be a great investment. It's so right. bizarre, like considering your goals yeah, and intentions. I know. I know. Uh, you know, you get sidelined on on your path sometimes. It's like, oh, this sounds good. We'll do this. So we buy this house like right at the peak literally right at the peak of, you know, of the bubble before everything just like collapsed. And um, so what was that like 2006 or 2007 or something? Um, Anyways, that, you know, I started decorating the house, boats and, you know, ocean colors and, you know, everyone else is decorating with pine cones and bears and plaid. And I'm like, no, I need my seashells and, you know, coastal decor. Um, so it was still kind of underlying, I guess. And, um, and then the nagging kind of came back, you know, we, we were, I guess we were like, let's just move on and, and maybe forget about the sailboat and, you know, let's just settle here. And 
we both started failing it. Luckily, I had I was with this partner who like we both kind of had the same path in, you know, in mind. Um, and so we again, we uh, much to our family's dismay as to why we were moving again, we decided to pack up and head to the East Coast and look for our sailboat. Let me let me ask you this. So in hindsight now, we can go back to the story in a second, but in hindsight, looking back and making that decision to buy that house in um, Tahoe, side sidetrack your dream of getting on a sailboat for like, I think you said two years, yeah. roughly. Um, can you take us into that and how you think about it now? Because I think about some of the things that I've set goals towards that there's no way I could have really accomplished them faster in hindsight. Like life wasn't going to let me get there quickly. I needed these like detours and sidetracking events to actually accomplish what I was striving for. Do you think that was a similar case for you guys? Or do you think you could have gotten to the sailboat goal quicker if you had forfeited that purchase of a house in Lake Tahoe? Um, I think we were supposed to buy the sailboat when we did for whatever reason, you know, that the universe deemed I, um, I, I, for some reason, you know, I just, I don't think that everything necessarily like falls into place, you know, that we have some life path that is, is, you know, set out exactly how, you know, in one, in one specific way. But I think that we have little like checkpoints, you know, that we kind of, you know, and you can listen to them or not. For me, I'm like, I've become very in tune to like, okay, where's my next checkpoint where's my next like goal or place that I need to go to or be um but yeah I mean I I think that we I think it was probably just how it was supposed to pan out we were able to save up more money um I don't know what I don't know what the meaning of the house is or you know if you want to try and put meaning onto anything because we ended up um short selling the, the house um and lost a bunch of money on that but do you have signposts that you look out for? Like I know for me, a big signpost is when I am in that kind of transitional phase. I've made a decision that I don't really know the outcome of, but yet I'm in a place around the world and I bump into somebody that I know from my past that I didn't expect to find there. For me, that's always been a huge signpost that I'm on the right path in life. Do you have? Oh, I just similar? look out at things and it's like I might be thinking a thought and then I'm driving by and a road sign like says the same thing or, you know, you hear some phrase on the radio and it just like speaks to you. And, you know, I don't know, like it could just be meaningless, but I like to put meaning to it and be like, oh, OK, that I was just thinking that thing. And then that just reinforced it, whatever I just saw or heard um, or the person that just walked into my life, you know. I get these like feelings sometimes when when I meet somebody that that I feel like has entered my life for a reason and like ju- you know it might just be brief it might just be like a really short encounter but they say something that just kind of brings meaning to what I'm going through at that moment I don't know I just I I always kind of look at these signs and as I get older they kind of become more like real or solid for me I don't know if that yeah, no, that's, that makes total sense. And I think everybody has their own way of kind of navigating that through that intu- intuitive thing that we all have. And going back to what you said about, you know, your path, you feeling like your path isn't like predetermined to a certain degree. Um, I read a quote today by another friend of mine, Danny Flood, who was on the, on the podcast, and he, he quoted uh, Yogananda. And the opening line is, 
Only the wise know just where predestination ends and free will begins. And I feel like that's very relative to what we were just saying, where it's like, in a lot of ways, life is going to push and pull you in directions that you don't really have control over. But the thing that you do is taking that first step and continuing to walk yeah. that path, um, even when you do get pushed and, and sidetracked in various that's ways. That's really amazing that you said a quote by Yogananda. I'm actually reading Life as a Yogi. Yeah, life is yogi right now. Life of <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I've only seen his yeah. documentary. Um, really interesting, yeah. dude. Very I watched fascinating. that not too long ago, and so I downloaded the book to my Kindle. So, um, yeah, really cool book. I, I recommend it. Okay. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes actually for anybody who wants to look it up. Um, but so then you you move what to Charleston to look for that dream boat of yours? Yeah. So um, we basically hopped in the car. At this point, we had a dog. We had adopted a dog in um, in Buffalo, who I still have to this day. She's 13 years old. Um, and so we packed up everything with our two cars, and I think we had a trailer, and um, headed headed east and literally had no idea where we were going. We, we were just, we took the southern route um, at this, uh, I can't remember how many trips across the states I've done, six total maybe. Um, but this, I, I remember this trip because it was very, this kind of like exciting and um, unsure. And we took the southern route and went through the panhandle of Florida and we kind of knew we didn't want to be in Florida and we kind of had our sights set on Charleston or Wilmington, but we had some friends in Charleston. So we went there first and uh, ended up kind of crashing with them, um, fell in love with Charleston, thought it was the coolest city ever and uh, never even went up to Wilmington. We were like, no, nope, all right, we're staying right here. And so we started, we rented an apartment for a while and kind of got jobs and settled in and, um, and then we we're looking for the boat at this point. This is, this is the goal. We're doing this and we're looking for our perfect boat. Obviously it had to be in the right price point. Um, and it had to be big enough. And then we adopted another dog. So then it had to be big enough for us and two dogs. And so we looked all over, looked, you know, up through New York and Maine and down into Florida, but we found our boat Pegasus right there in Charleston um, a guy was selling it and he was only the second owner of it. It was a 1978 Endeavor, 32 foot. And it was uh, built specifically for the, the shallow waters of the Florida Keys and the Bahamas. So it had only a 4-2 draft and nice and roomy. I mean, 32 feet sounds pretty small, but it was great headspace and really, really solid, cool boat. And so we moved aboard. Can I ask how much you had saved and how long it took you to save it for that. Well, boat. that's funny because, um, another one of these things where I don't know if you would say that we willed it or if that, you know, it was another one of these kind of universe throwing us the bone kind of thing, but we had saved up, I think, I think like 10 or 12 grand and we had opened a bank account at this point. So this wasn't all in the flower pot uh, anymore. <laughs> so, uh, we, the boat was like 20 grand, I think, or 22. So at this point, the banks were still like lending money. I don't, I mean, this must have been, yeah, because we still had the house in Tahoe. Things hadn't crashed quite yet. And we went to the bank, uh, just a local um, bank in Charleston, and they gave us a loan for the rest. You know, we, we put 
like the half down or whatever. And then they gave us a loan for the rest of the amount. So uh, we didn't save up enough for for the boat at that point. But maybe we had more than that. I feel like the loan wasn't even for that much. But I can't remember all the details at this point. But in any case, we we uh, we got our boat. Um, and that's one thing that I do like to kind of um, um, iterate, iterate to people is that, you know, if you, if you set your mind to it, you can do anything, you know, it's, it's, I really, really think and believe with all of my heart that if you really want something, you can make it happen. And, you know, even if the banks aren't lending money as much right now, I, I still just think there's ways to hustle and, and get it done. Um, if that's what you really, truly want. So, yeah, I agree 100%. So at this point you guys were in the service industry in Charleston and, and just outfitting that boat for yourself. Yeah. So we, we moved it into a Marina and we ended up, uh, starting to gut it. And, you know, we were doing, we started doing beadboard and teak trim and I'm redoing all the, uh, the woodwork on the boat and really kind of making it look nice, re, uh, recovering the, the cushions and things like that. And then we just started really enjoying living in a marina. We're like, this is great. You know, it's like happy hour on our neighbor's boat. And, you know, it's just, it was this whole different life. And we loved it. And then again, we were kind of like, well, we don't need to go anywhere. Like, why don't we just stay here? Charleston's cool. And, and, uh, so again, we started kind of like settling in. And at that point, I guess a few months in, six months in, maybe we met a couple who had just come back from the Bahamas for the winter. Um, they were on a 45 foot catamaran. Um, so it was a pretty like cushy, uh, um, adventure for them. And they had their daughter with them and they, uh, they came back and they were just, just over the moon about their trip. And they're like, you have to go. And they would, every time we'd go over there for dinner or drinks or whatever, they, they would start pulling up their slideshow and they're like, look at the swimming pigs and look at the color of the water. And it's just amazing. You have to go. So we started planning again and, uh, same thing too. You know, we were, we were, feeling like we needed to, to move, you know, to get on the move. And so we, uh, we had our sights set on a winter departure, um, you know, after hurricane season and we ended up, well, we started formulating a plan. If we're going to go, we, we might as well go big. Like let's go down to the Virgin islands where we can live and work and, and establish a whole new life down there. Um, so we had looked at all the islands going down. We looked at all the islands that we could bring our dogs to and where we could potentially work. Um, and, and the Virgin Islands just kind of looked great. And actually, oh, I didn't whole other side note, but, uh, we wanted to open a brewery. <laughs> That's right. Cause you're pretty passionate about yeah. brewing beer. Yeah. So I started brewing beer in California. I went to a, like a local home brewing place in Sacramento and, um, and stocked up on, you know, the basics, like the basic kind of kit to brew. And then at that point, you know, I could just go online at Northern Brewer and, and order my ingredients and, you know, get it shipped to my house. Now it's a little more difficult in the Bahamas. But um, so I, I that was my passion, like making beer, making labels, creating, you know, creating a whole kind of series of, of 
specialty beers that I could share with friends and everything. And everyone was like, oh, this beer is so great. You know, I started getting creative and making my own recipes. So our plan was to go down to the Virgin Islands and open a brewery. But there was already a brewery down there. St. John Brewers is there. <laughs> so so we weren't quite sure what we were going to do. But um, that was the that was the plan when we set sail out of Charleston Harbor. So that took what, like three years to get to that point? Uh, from when Hopefully. you mean from when we first like the seed was planted? Yeah, when you first started manifesting in, in Buffalo to the time. Oh, you set sail. maybe it was even longer than that. Um, I'm, I get confused on my dates now. But let's see, we were in Tahoe for about two years. And then Buffalo was about one year. So three, probably four years by the time we actually set sail and, and left. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an interesting point that the audience should really take note of is that like goal setting and timelines, you know, yeah, <laughs> they take time. Right. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of work and a lot of, you know, twists and turns, like you said, but you stayed on the path and you made it there. And so at this one, I'm assuming you, you both are comfortable sailing. And when you sail out of the harbor, you weren't just like complete. Oh, beginners. that's funny you say that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'd sailed a bit in, in Charleston Harbor, you know, and we'd be looking at the depth and I'm like, it's 50 feet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are we going to run aground? You know, and I, I, we were just kind of, we had done a few practice runs with some of our neighbors in the marina um, and, you know, got our bearings. Oh, and then um, my, my partner went and did his uh, captain's, what is it, the, what's the first one, the 50 ton or the... Yeah, I don't know, but I've, yeah, I he did like the in, the intro captain's license course, so uh, which was yeah. fantastic for navigation, and um, it didn't really teach you how to sail a boat, but um, but for all the you know uh, waypoint um, chart plotting things like that, how to how to you know set your route without using a GPS if your GPS goes down, um, rules of the road, safety, all that kind of stuff. So that was um, I think you know, one of the best things he could have done for us, you know, setting out. And then of course we bought like the EPIRB and we bought, you know, all the, the safety gear for, you know, for setting out on the sail. But we, we left the harbor and headed out. We're like, yeah, we're, we're sailing down there, you know, well, we were going to sail along the coast and we had great wind and we were doing this overnight sail. And, uh, and then our, we had cut the engine because, um, because we were like, oh, this is great. We're just going to sail. And, then we couldn't get the engine started again in the morning. The wind dropped off and the engine was overheating. Um, and we just literally were like bobbing out there miles offshore. And we had to call towboat us to come and pick us up and drag us back. <laughs> so yeah, no way. that's <laughs> crazy out of the gates. Like, I don't know if that was a bad omen or what, but we were just kind of like, ah, whatever. So we got towed in kind of near Savannah and, uh, got a few spare impellers because there's an impeller issue and um and uh and then just made our way down the intercoastal waterway the rest of the way so kind of stuck with the safety although it was kind of crazy going to icw because there's lots of boat traffic and there's you know there'd be crazy storms and like not great holding um so it was kind of you know i don't know which was better the better route but it was safer i guess so did you get did you get sidetracked then when you got to the Bahamas and just not continue on to the Well, Virgin a few Island? things came into play at that point. 
Um, so we got to the Bahamas. Um, we, we fell in love with it almost immediately. Like I can't even begin to describe when we sailed across, we did a night sail across the Gulf stream, um, over to Bimini and the sun was coming up and I'm looking down and I'm yelling back. I'm like, what's the depth? Because it looked like we were about to run aground and it was 30 feet deep and you could see the bottom and the water was crystal clear and the most beautiful water you've ever seen. And I was just like, where? Like, I just died and went to heaven. Like, it's this is absolutely the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And so we ended up cruising around, went through. There's all these different island regions. So there's 700 islands in the Bahamas um, for anyone who's not too familiar with the geography of it. Um, and it spans a distance of the same as the um, as the I think it's the Lesser Antilles. So um, it's actually a pretty big footprint. Um, and, uh, so there's different island regions, there's the Abacos and there's, uh, there's Andros, Eleuthera, Exumas. So we kind of made our way through the Northern Bahamas and went to Nassau where our prop fell off. So we spent some time sitting in Nassau waiting for a new prop to show up and then ended up in the Exumas. And that's where we kind of decided not to venture any further at that point in time. We ended up on this island called Norman's Key. And um, if anyone's familiar with the drug running days, it's um, it's uh, the island that uh, Carlos later took over um, when the Median cartel was transporting um, marijuana and cocaine from Colombia to the United States. That's when they had a yeah, trip so on. like if you've seen the movie Blow, um, it's it's with Johnny Depp. It's featured in that movie. They're like on Norman's Keep, not really on the island, but um, but it's in that movie and it's been in a lot of documentaries and whatnot. But he took over the whole island, and um, so there's the old hangar and the airstrip's still there, and um, and there's a lot of really cool history and like things hidden in the bush and. Um, you know, walls that get uncovered and buildings and, you know, all these things that's, that have just gotten overgrown. Um, but there was a little beach bar there. And, uh, so we ended up pulling in and dropping anchor and met the people that ran the bar and, uh, stuck around. Like stuck around for like years? No, not years at that point. We, so we showed up and the owners of the bar, um, we just hit it off with, them, uh, the people that were running it. Um, it was owned by a development. And, uh, so there's kind of this crew that was running it. And so we hit it off with them and helped them, you know, with some projects and started, you know, slung, slung some drinks behind the bar to help them out and stuff. And, um, there was literally like no one on the Island. There's about population, seven people, a couple little cottages at this, uh, at this beach bar, and um, and then some sailboaters and, and pilots that would come in periodically. Um, and so we uh, there was a few other younger cruisers there, like most sailboat cruisers are all retired. So there's very few that were kind of at the time we were in our we were in our 20s, late 20s. And uh, so there's very few other younger people. But the kind of a crew of all these younger people started hanging out around that area. So we settled right in. And then at that point, um, it was actually very fortunate that we had kind of settled in. We got the dogs on land. We ended up staying in one of the cottages, um, you know, kind of moved on land and setting up a little base. Um, and then I got word that I lost my mom unexpectedly. So 
we had to go back to Washington and we left the dogs there, left the boat in the care of uh, the people at the bar and just went back home. Um, took us a couple days to get there. And uh, luckily we had met a friend who was a pilot and had his plane there. So he was able to fly us over to Nassau. Um, but yeah, it was, that was kind of a big part of the reason that we didn't also venture any further. Interesting. I'm sorry to hear about your mother, by the way, then you, did you kind of move back or did you go home, handle family business and then move back to where you were in the bond? So we both went back and then I ended up staying for a few months and, uh, my partner went back to, uh, to the Bahamas to kind of, you know, get the dogs on the boat and whatever. And then I came back with my family. My dad came with me and my aunt and uncle and, uh, and they kind of just took a little holiday. And I think we were there. We hung out there for a while, but then I started getting kind of, you know, antsy a bit. I was like, I don't know that I should really be this far from family right now. It was kind of not feeling that, uh, I just wasn't feeling right. So we went back to the States, put the boat up on the hard, went to Washington and stayed there till like November till it started getting dreary again. And, uh, and then kind of tried to figure out our next move and we ended up in Florida. So sorry, this is a really long story. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm curious. So, so you ended up in Florida, not the Bahamas. Cause from my understanding, like the partner you keep referring to isn't your present day husband. Yes. So correct? I was together with this, with my ex partner, um, for eight years, we ended up getting married after six years. So we were married for about two years. And I guess after I lost my mom, the Jenga blocks, I, this is actually my, my current husband's, um, thing, cause he went through a divorce and went through this major kind of life changing, um, did a lot of work on himself and he, so I'm, I'm stealing it from him, but the Jenga blocks, you know, crumbled, crashed. And, and it's at that point that you start to pick those Jenga block pieces back up and restack them. And you're kind of given the opportunity, I feel at that point to restack them the way you want them to be, you know, maybe things just weren't quite right the way, you know, the way they were in your life, but like everything's already gone to shit really. So you know, why not just make it how you want it to be? Um, if that makes sense, you know, it's like, yeah, of course they say reaching the yeah. bottom, right. You, then it's time to build. Back um, up. And I was really close to my mom, you know, and so it was, it was definitely a hard one for me to digest. And, um, and at that point I just kind of knew that I maybe wasn't supposed to be with this person. And, um, you know, we had a lot of great adventures together, but he, you know, we started settling in, in Florida and he wanted to have kids. And I, it was something that was never really on my radar. I kind of knew from a teenager that, um, I didn't really ever want kids, but you know, you don't really think about it in your twenties. You're just kind of like, whatever, like I'm having fun. And, uh, and there was just a few things that just weren't lining up, you know, and, uh, and I, I don't know, I just kind of had this calling to go back to the Bahamas. So I ended up, um, kind of, I guess, unceremoniously bowing out and taking my brewing equipment and going over back over to Norman's Key and, uh, kind of setting up a new life for myself. And 
at that point I was, I felt great. You know, things hadn't really started sinking in. I think it's like, I had just, I basically like, you know, left my husband and lost my mom and, you know, had like came to this whole new country. And, but I was feeling, I was feeling empowered. I was feeling like independent. This, you know, I was, I was doing something for myself and it felt great. I was like in a, I was in a really good space at that point. And then that's where I ended up meeting my now husband. Like later we were, we were just friends for a long time. He's 14 years older than me. So it was like, you know, initially I'm like, Oh, he's like, you know, way older than me. That's not something I would even consider. So we were friends for a long time. He actually taught me how to kiteboard. There was a group of um, of people there doing a, a construction project, building a big house compound on the island. So there was kind of a crew of guys um, from the states that were into kiteboarding. But my husband, my husband's from here. Um, he's Australian Bahamian, and uh, he taught me how to kiteboard. Luckily before we were together because I don't think it would have worked very well after we got together. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, and so that, so you met your husband on, on the islands and you basically married and you stayed. Is yeah. Kinda... We, we joke that, you know, we like, we didn't need match.com or anything. Just go out to a remote Island uh, with a population of seven people and, you know, find someone with the right amount of crazy as, as you. <laughs> That's so cool. So then now present day, I mean, f just, just give us a heads up, like for that period of time in which you were, um, first in the Bahamas and back to Florida, were you working or did you have enough saved to where you're kind of being able to be not employed? Um, I, when we went to Washington, <clears throat> I got a, I had gotten another, uh, waitressing job. And then when I moved to Florida, I got a job working at a wine shop at a boutique wine shop. I ran the craft beer selection or section, um, and, uh, which was kind of a cool job. And then, uh, we, yeah, when I packed up and moved, so basically I brought my brewing equipment over there and I was brewing beer and, um, and like, you know, selling it to people who wanted their own personalized beer and, you know, selling it to whoever wanted some beer. So I was making money off my beer at that point. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's your, your side hustle. You were just making ends meet with your side yeah, hustle. That's definitely. great. Well, yeah, it was kind of my, kind of my full time hustle, <laughs> but yeah. And, and, but then now you do something with your blog and, um, out Island life. Can you describe both of those entities? Yeah. Us, so out Island life kind of stem. So in the Bahamas, there's Nassau and then the other, all the other islands are called either the out islands or the family islands. Um, so out Island life is just kind of like living in the islands. So I bounced around, uh, with my husband to a bunch of, he's in construction. So a bunch of construction projects and we ended up in Harbor Island, which is this cute little quaint town, um, that uh, has a beautiful beach and, you know, colonial cottages and people drive golf carts around. It's this picturesque place, but I kind of had a hard time living there. I wasn't really working at that point. And so I started writing and I've always wrote, like I had a sail blog when we were on the sailboat and I had a food blog at one point. Um, and so I started this blog about living in the islands and it was very dark at first. It was very much like, uh, you know, the realities of paradise, that paradise isn't all it's cracked up to be because I was losing my mind. The power was going out all the time. The water quality was like staining my clothes. It was terrible. Um, 
you know, it was just, there was all these things that, that I kept kind of creating. So I think at that point, things just started sinking in a little bit, like my, uh, with, with some of the trauma, I guess, and pain that I, that I had gone through. Um, and then I ended up moving so many times. I, you know, once I got to the Bahamas, I, we were picking up and moving and in Harbor Island, we moved like, um, I think it was seven times in the two and a half years that we lived there. And so all of those are obviously like very, uh, traumatic for people, um, you know, loss of a loved one, divorce, moving. So I had all those lined up, um, you know, ready to, to give me heartache at a moment's notice. So I started kind of using the, the blog as this outlet and it has since evolved into something a lot more positive. Um, and it is, it's focused on um, people that are looking to buy, build, travel, or live in the Bahamas. So, um, and it's it's an ongoing pro- process of of uploading information. Um, I just got finished writing a travel guidebook for a uh, publication called Moon Guides. Um, they're based in California. I don't have you heard of Moon Guides? Okay, yeah, yeah, I, a lot guides. of people kind of on the East Coast are is familiar with them. Um, so that's all kind of tied in with Out Island Life. And it's been really amazing because I've, I've kind of, I guess, created this identity, um, for myself as being this go-to person, uh, about the Bahamas. So between my husband and I, who knows everything about remote island construction and he's in real estate, um, and then myself with the travel aspect, um, I, we have people contacting us regularly through the website, you know, that are looking at um, possibly moving here or um, or building, you know, and what it all entails. And, you know, and we give them the truth. We're like, this is what it's like, you know, and, and people get frustrated and they end up throwing in the towel and leaving and saying this place is horrible, you know, whatever, because they had a bad experience or because they weren't prepared, you know, with the right tools and information before they got here. Um, so that's what we want to do with Out Island Life. Is that monetized? Are you making money from that? Are you primarily making money from the actual building? Yeah. So like our number one hustle is, is, uh, construction and real estate. Um, and so my husband's still doing projects over in Harbor Island and he is doing actively, um, selling real estate in all, all over the Bahamas. We're based in Nassau. Um, so I have that set up as kind of, it's kind of just the portfolio so people can come to the website. They can get the information they need. Um, they can get to know us a little bit, you know, and, and maybe feel comfortable with us and the information we're providing and then, you know, reach out and hopefully then want to use our services in, in construction and real estate. So, um, my husband's doing, um, you know, mostly project management and owner's rep type work. So yeah, that's like the main the main thing. And then writing is kind of my, my, my side thing. Um, so I wrote the guidebook and then, um, you know, I've been trying to pitch articles to magazines. So I have a few, um, articles coming up, um, you know, for travel, uh, travel type stuff. And no, it's cool. It's, it's pretty classic, like, um, expat lifestyle, I'd say, you know, all of us are just like piecing it together. Cause it's the dream life. It's not an easy one, as you said, and a lot of people do leave um, discouraged. But uh, with that understanding that you know the good comes with the bad, and the bad comes with the good, and you just got to keep moving in the direction you want, following that intuition, you can create and design a really beautiful right, life for yourself. Right. 
Um, yeah, so then the other aspect of me, my island, Mariah, uh, I, I had just kind of started out, basically started out as my Instagram page, uh, highlighting all the cool things I do in the islands, you know, um, boating and kiting and, um, and we both, um, we both surf. I, it's mostly sup surfing, uh, cause it's very, very minimal waves here, but you know, just like letting kind of just sharing with the world, you know, like what it's like living on an Island. Uh, but then that's evolved a bit. Uh, I, I went through my yoga teacher training in January and, um, our, our local studio here in Nassau did a, uh, teacher training for the 200 hour. And I started teaching yoga and I've been practicing for years and it, I've kind of, uh, I don't know, since the new year, I especially, but in the past year, since I feel a little more settled, I've been able to, I think, kind of work through a lot of my pain and work through a lot of, um, challenges and issues. And so I feel like it's really important to me to, you know, that balance, like living the life of your dreams of that, you know, the adventure that whatever you want to do, if you want to travel, if you want to, you know, be a digital nomad, if you want to, you know, even just wherever you live in the world, just uh, picking up your your passion or your hobby and, and going with that. Um, but then also, I feel like you're kind of almost hindered from from um, having that open flow of creativity, I guess, until you work through the pain and the the hangups, you know. And so I, I feel really strongly on personal development, you know, depending on the person, the spiritual development. Um, so I think a balance, you know, because I started delving into yoga and I was like, oh, I feel like I should be this, you know, very spiritual person, you know, like this monk, you know, not that I'd want to go to a monastery necessarily, but, you know, healthy, healthy eating, no drinking, you know, I kind of went through this phase. And I'm like, you know what, like, I, I also want to go out and have a margarita with my friends, I want to, you know, live kind of a, a, I don't know, like, enjoy the human experience. So I honestly, that's kind of where Island Mariah has evolved from. Um, so I blog a little bit on my website, and I'm trying to get back into it after writing the guidebook, which kind of sucked all of my writing life out of me. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's that one. What do you think though? What, like getting, going deeper into yourself, what was, do you think holding you back? I mean, was there one thing or was it just having to really confront some of the, the pain after losing your mom that you feel like once you work through was going to really open up more doors in getting you closer to where you want to get to? Um, I think it was just it was a, a combination of all kinds of things that had kind of just compounded over the years. Um, and I just slowly, slowly, slowly uh, started, you know, through reading different books and going, you know, going. We had this uh, this goddess circle that I used to go to kind of this like girl women's group where you could sit around and, you know, talk about things, you know, and, uh, I think, um, and then getting, getting away from Harbor Island. I, I always tell people to go to Harbor Island, but it just wasn't for me. And so I felt very, very, and it was another one of those things that was drawing that I was like, I need to, 
not be here. Um, and so we moved to Nassau. And once I moved to Nassau, I, I kind of just like the cloud lifted. Um, I didn't feel like I was spiraling down this kind of black hole of, of um, depression. Um, so I feel like once I got to where I was supposed to be, things just started, doors started opening. Like I said, you know, reading a lot, um, picking up a bunch of different books. Um, and then I, you know, I'll touch on this, but I, I lost my mom to suicide and that is a, um, it's taken me years and years to be able to kind of talk about it, but I honestly feel like it's a very, it really, it really, um, made me stop in my tracks when, um, when I heard about Anthony Bourdain, because he is, was my like hero, you know, traveling around the world. Like he's just this kind of raw personality, like living this amazing life. Um, and you know, it just, I, like, I just sat down and I, I started crying. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like how many people are going through this that, you know, you know, and is this preventable? Is this, or, you know, can people work through it? And I, you know, I don't have the answers at this point, but, you know, I feel like through, you know, healing whatever pain that you might be carrying with you. And, you know, I, I, I feel like there is potentially hope for a lot of people that maybe don't think there's hope. Um, so that was, that's been a big one for me with the personal development side and the, and the healing, the pain side. Um, have you ever gone to therapy or tried therapy? With um, not, I did with, with my ex, we went to therapy and I remember the only thing really saying is I like, I miss being on my sailboat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, that's interesting. You connected with the Anthony Bourdain thing. Uh, cause I did as well. Like I can't say I've ever had like too many celebrity heroes in my life. And that, in fact, I know I haven't. Um, but he was one and the only one. And when he did choose to take his own life, I was shocked. And especially because in many ways I aspire to have that same kind of lifestyle, like the ability to move freely around the world, um, soak up the culture, soak up the cuisine, meet new people. Like, it's a dream. And to find out that somebody's completely miserable when doing that was a tremendous shock. Um, and leaves me, yeah, not knowing the right answer and, and not knowing, uh, what could, could have brought relief to him, you know, but for me personally, growing up in a, in a mental state of depression for a few years, I had a, a really good therapist that I think really helped me kind of see, see ways to cope with those kind of right. situations. No, I, I, now that you mention it, I did have a therapist when I was like in third grade. <laughs> I, I, I obviously, oh, yeah. I struggled with depression then I've struggled with it throughout my life, but, um, I, it was obviously enough that I was acting, you know, strangely for a, a third grader. And so my mom had put me in therapy and I remember just like wanting to play with the dollhouse that she had and she always wanted to talk and I'm like why do we always have to talk can't I just play with this dollhouse um <laughs> so I yeah um, well it's I mean it sounds like you've you've definitely learned to follow your intuition it was taking you to the Bahamas you've met the man now of your dreams you're living the life that uh, or you've shaped the life that you have wanted until recently do you see yourself wanting to maybe make another drastic change and leave the Bahamas? Or do you think this, this is something that you're going to be in for the long haul? Um, you know, it, it, it changes. So a few years ago, we were ready to get out of the Bahamas because the, um, the previous, um, government that was in power was just, you know, 
pocketing all the money and you know and everyone everyone knew it was just like a disaster and if they were voted back in we were ready to to get out um so we were looking at hawaii at the time um my husband's family's in australia and obviously my family's in the northwest so we're like oh great middle spot um but i think we're kind of at the point that we have investments here in the bahamas um if things are stable you know, we, we want this to be our, our home base. Um, and we aren't really that interested in, I guess, going back to the States for tax reasons, obviously. Um, so, uh, we, we've been looking at somewhere that we want, uh, we want surf. Like that's I, for my husband, especially that's like, he just, he, all he wants to do is wake up in the morning and go for a surf and then he'll hustle and do whatever for the rest of the day. But we don't have that here. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've been kind of looking at Central America. Um, we're going to take a trip to Panama probably in the spring and just go check it out. Uh, we've been to Costa Rica a few times and, and my husband's been in Nicaragua. Um, so, you know, we're kind of, that's potentially on the radar just, you know, and it might be just something that's, that's like part-time, you know, that we would go for a few months and just kind of get that, that, um, the itch, you know, kind of taken care of and then come back here because all of our friends are here and, you know, we have a really great network of people, but, you know, we'd have to kind of set up a little bit more that the, the digital nomad or the passive income or something, um, in order to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. That seems to be the goal for a lot of us. Cause I know, I mean, I call Nicaragua home. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I do still need to get out and I still want to see the world. And so having that combination of whatever, six months here, six months there, nine months, Nicaragua, three months somewhere else is also what I aspire to right, achieve. Right, right. Well, that's a great goal. Well, for the audience who's listening, do you have any advice or any thoughts, to closing thoughts, maybe inspire them to take that first step out and in, in, in choosing a different life for themselves? Um, I guess just listening. Um, what, like, what inspires you? What what drives you what fuels you what um what gets you out of bed in the morning and and listen to that you know it it could be just like i said you know picking up a hobby that you you know like maybe you want to play the drums or you know i don't i don't know like just going after something that makes you happy and if that takes you around the world to another country you know, that's great. If it's, if you stay right at home and, you know, in your own backyard, um, that's great too. So I think just finding, finding something that, that really just motivates you that, that you find your drive and, um, and roll with it and listen, listen to yourself, listen to your body, you know, your, your body's always trying to talk to you. Um, so, and then, and healing, you know, working on, on your, personal development, working on, um, being the best person you can be. I agree. Well said. Thank you so much for joining me, Mariah. You can check her out at Island Mariah or out Island life all about the Bahamas and Mariah. Thank you for taking the time to speak. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for listening to misfits and rejects. What a cool lady, Mariah Moyle, you know, out Island life, check her out. Island Mariah. She's really digging deep, creating some cool content, and I think delivering also some very inspirational stories about her own lifestyle design. Remember, if you like Misfits and Rejects and want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do it on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects. And until next time, I think you all are so very beautiful. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. 
I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.